Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I talk about Joel Embiid's absolutely dominant, truly incredible, almost unbelievable 59-point, 11-rebound, 8-assist, 7-block shot performance in the win over the Utah Jazz and how he is almost single-handedly pulling the Sixers back up to respectability. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, a part of the Athletics Podcast Network. How you doing, Rich? Hey, man, we got some positivity. We did. We Th- just complained. Thank you, Joel. <laughs> yeah. We just complained in the last pod that there's really, we only had one pod, maybe one positive pod the entire season. After we dropped that pod, Joel and me goes out and drops 101 points over the next two games and pulls two victories to pull them even to within seven and seven on the season. It was. So obviously we're recording this one after the Utah game. Would you say that's the best performance you've seen in person? Not even of Joel Embiid or of the Sixers. Like, can you recall a seeing a better performance in person? Well, wasn't it like the seventh best game score of all time? Yeah. I don't think I saw any of the seven before those. So. No, that, that goes back to the, what, the 70s, like 76 or something like that, or early 80s. I forget, I forget where that cutoff is. Not that it matters because we wouldn't have seen games before the early 80s anyway. You're saying in person. Well, I was uh, I was sort of detouring into I forget exactly like when you say the seventh best game score I forget how far back that goes. Oh, I got you. Uh, in terms of in person, the only thing I, I think the short answer is no, just because we'll get into the details of I mean how much they needed they needed literally every single yeah. one of his stats and everything he did to win, yeah. and he was efficient and the shots were impossible that he was making, but he was still making them look easy. You know, I, when I think of the best stuff I have seen in person, God, we're, we're getting on a negative note now. But Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs against the Sixers is like the the best thing. I've we really are. Seen. The, I don't know why anybody listens to us. We are the absolute worst. You have the best performance in our lifetimes, and we're no, talking this was about better. Kawhi shot. We're all we're two minutes in. Okay, you asked. I don't know. I mean, it was <laughs> the best thing I'd seen. Okay, we don't need to get on that. This was the best. This was the most in control dominant just i am the best player on the floor by not a mile uh, ten thousand miles a league the the other team just completely outplaying your team except for one guy and the one guy got them a victory you know look it's not like uh have you yeah so let me ask you have you ever seen anything like that what comes to mind? Let's take Kawhi out of it. What comes to mind when you've seen dominance like that? For some reason, I remember a Jimmy game where he dropped 50-plus and just tore them apart. Yeah, that was in the 
the tanking right. years. Yeah, and that was in regular season. It didn't. Really how about matter. how about not what we've watched? Just not or what not you've what watched, but not in person. Yeah. I mean, so many. I could pick ten LeBron games, but this stacks up there with any of them. Like I've never seen somebody. You know the the overall final scores. He scored twenty six of the Sixers twenty seven points in the fourth quarter. I remember tweeting out early on when he was at like 42, like, oh, they're going to need 50 from him with the way they're playing or they're not going to have a chance to win. Well, they needed way more than that. When you combine 26, 27 points, when you combine the defense, what do you have? Five blocks in the fourth quarter? And they weren't just like, you know. <laughs> and he had one that blocks. was, there were blocks and there was another one that was like a 50-50 foul. He might have yeah. gotten Olenek on the arm, but he got the ball first. And by the way, that doesn't even, I just rewatched the fourth quarter. That doesn't include the, uh, the steals that the Sixers yeah. got because he slid into the correct position. There was, the, he was the Sixers on defense were terrible yep. too. Like nope. they are not, not terrible, but they had guys. Utah is a hard team to guard and the Sixers perimeter guys were getting beat off the dribble and he was extinguishing every Everything. fire possible. Yep. Didn't commit a turnover in the second half. I thought a lot of his passing was really good, which is weird to say about a guy who, I mean, the rest of his team scored a point in the fourth quarter. <laughs> um, so it's not like he's going to rack up that many assists, but I thought he moved the ball well. It's just that Utah sent barely any double teams, and he was like, all right, I'll keep shooting over this garbage. <laughs> yes, um, yes, he was. You know, the last Sixers basket was, a, I thought, a real good look from him. Utah, on the rare instance, they did double team. They basically quadruple teamed him. It was like it was a soft quadruple, but like everybody was watching Joel, and he found Shake under the basket. I thought his passing was really good. Didn't need it as much in the fourth quarter, but I thought it was really good. And when you combine all of that, just the decision-making, the shooting, uh, the mid-range, which was automatic, uh, the defense, I can't, I, it's, I can't recall seeing a performance like that. Now, the stakes weren't high enough for it to be legendary, all that stuff. It was just a regular season game in November. Who cares? There are a lot of regular season games in November. But None I, can't, of them like that. I can't remember somebody being that in control, especially not a non-point guard or a non-guard. So you mentioned the 26 of 27 points in the fourth quarter. Did I get that right? Is that what yeah. the exact yep. number was? Okay. Daniel Congrats. House free throw. Congrats to Daniel House yeah. for making one of two free throws on a on a fast break. Which I'm sure was started from a Joel Embiid block or a, a rebound anyway. <laughs> he was yeah, he was on defense and he was kind of sucking wind, but yeah, he was back on defense and I don't know, they they jazz threw it away. So so you mentioned that scoring barrage at the end of the game. The only thing that I think compares to it that I've seen is LeBron in 2007 against Detroit. You're going back which, 15 years. <laughs> no, I know. And that's like LeBron at his, I mean, he was not at his peak yet, but, and to be fair to him, like slightly higher stakes than, yeah. than Utah. And uh, I mean, it's just, it was incredible. I, from an overall perspective, I don't think I can start anywhere, but saying that was an absolute privilege to watch live. Yeah, I, I, it was. I love this sport. I love the league. Because the league is the highest level of this sport. Yeah. And, you know, while the individual stakes, like we said, you know, nothing crazy. I mean, my God, it was the second game in a row where the arena is an absolute zoo two hours before the game because the Flyers played earlier yeah. that day. Nothing gets the juices flowing more than that. Still, all caveats aside, Joel played this sport at the absolute highest level someone can take it. And that's uh, that's incredible. I mean... I like look, I wrote it today. If you take any one of those stats, two of the points, one of the blocks, one of the assists, Sixers lose. Yeah. And I just I, I don't remember too many of those games because I agree with you. His passing 
He should have gotten a 10 assists. Oh, yeah. They couldn't make anything. They couldn't make anything. When they did double, I mean, God, Tobias and Tyrese, and they just couldn't make a shot or house. It it didn't matter. I mean, he was setting up guys for wide-open dunks. We always say, like, the JJ assists, those were cheapies. There was probably one of those. Melton kind of got a a dribble handoff for, uh, you know, a layup. The rest of these were, everything was perfect. It's like you said, the blocks, none of those were cheapies. Those were like, get that shit out of my house, like, athletic, violence at the rim type plays. And the assists were, he was diamond dudes up. It uh, really, just like an incredible performance and unbelievable to watch live. I mean, when you start going over some of the assists, or not some of the assists, some of the stats uh, from, you know, the the, the team stats. Um, I'll give you one second here. Where is my box? Four of 23 from three. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm getting all that. Uh, so the Sixers shot. All that garbage. <laughs> it really was. Sixers shot four of 23 uh, from three. They gave up 18 offensive rebounds to the Jazz. They got outplayed and outworked in almost every capacity. And you look at his supporting cast, Tyrese Maxey, 18 points on eight for 24 shooting. Tobias Harris, eight points on four for 12 shooting. P.J. Tucker scored like nine points in a week and a half. Not a game, like in a week and a half total. There was so little help around him. I mean, the only other player in double figures was Tyrese Maxey, and it took him 24 shots to get there. There was so was, little help. He was real bad. He was, was real bad. bad. And we could, <laughs> we could get into that because there's a lot of uh, discouraging signs with this team right now. He was their second best player, and he was bad. He was bad. They had no business. And look, Utah is a good team. Doesn't necessarily make sense that they're a good team. I'm not sure how long they're going to be a good team. They don't really want to be a good team. But they're <laughs> Do you think Ainge... Do you think Ainge had an MB jersey on, by the way? <laughs> they are playing good basketball right now, uh, <laughs> and it probably helped them that Embiid went crazy. Sixers should not have won that game. And to top it off, it was on the second night of a back-to-back when he had just played 40 minutes a night before and dropped 42. You know, we were talking about this before the podcast because right now I don't really know what to make of this team. On the one hand, they should be 5-9. and nine. Like if Joel Embiid isn't playing, and I'm not talking about Joel Embiid playing like a top five player. I mean, the dude's averaging 51 points on 26 shots per game right now kind of player. If they don't get two just completely out of his mind performance from from Joel Embiid, they probably should have lost both of those games. But on the other hand, holy shit, Joel Embiid is playing absurd basketball. And when Joel Embiid is playing absurd basketball, he can cover up a lot of flaws on your team. It does at some point put me a little bit back into the mindset that we have had for a couple of years where sometimes the Sixers will win because they have Joel Embiid and the other team does not. And that will cover up a little bit of flaws and you worry about that. And I do still like, can you come have this many flaws and be a, like a serious title contender? No, they need better performances from the supporting cast. But Joel Embiid, with the way he started the season, you know, the first five games away the they played, him going out with the flu. To see that he is back up to speed this quickly, it now puts them in position where if the rest of the team comes through, you're still talking about a team that has real upside just because you have a player who can do that. And that doesn't mean like there's so many other flaws. And I I don't know whether we should focus on them or not because I feel like today is a Joel Embiid podcast. We have the rest of the season to talk about flaws. They're still there. But that dude is just 
special. And it, it, it was frustrating because he didn't look special to start the season. It was a false start of a season for him and thus for the team. But when we started talking about like, oh, you know, James Harden and this piece fits with that and they have a better bench and all this stuff, it was all under the assumption that Joel Embiid would look like Joel Embiid. And over the last week, we have seen that in a big way. And I feel like now we truly have a chance to actually start evaluating this team because when Joel Embiid does not look like Joel Embiid, none of the pieces work. I'm just picturing Ainge sitting in the stands just chanting, MVP, <laughs> MVP, trust the process. Yeah. Have you considered that Embiid getting deathly ill might be a good thing? Okay. Because he's he got rested? COVID, he got COVID last year, for rested for three weeks. His knee got better. He said that. And then he went wild for three months. He got the flu for a full week this year. And six freaking days later, he scored 100 points in 24 <laughs> hours. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I, he, uh, yeah, the human body is, is a weird thing. But with that guy, I mean, man, it's, uh, well, and how much of a dumbass? Because I was on his podcast going, you know what? When he comes back from these layoffs, sometimes he tends to struggle. Well, don't listen to a word I say for the rest of the podcast. I wrote the same life. thing. I was just like, yeah, Doc was like, yeah, we'll see. Like, Doc, before the Suns game at the beginning of the week, again, that's when we were recording this, that game happened exactly one week ago from when we were talking, said the day before that game, yeah, it's a 75% chance he'll play. Like, what, what are we talking about? To jump yeah. from that to the seventh greatest individual stat line of all time? And Crazy. frankly, it might even be better than that, considering like, some of the games above him, I'm pretty sure that those players weren't required to completely carry yeah. teammates who stunk. Yeah, I don't know. It, uh, I mean, that was, you know, getting into the game, like, just an absolute clinic from the elbow, from the nail. It was, it was unbelievable. And on the one hand, it's great to see him in rhythm. It's great to see him shoot over these guys. It's great to see him direct some of these cutters. But my God, do they have any other plays besides that? Like, do they do they have any other source of offense? And I just wonder, ugh, the more I watch these guys, I, I think they're going to be all right in weathering this storm. You know, I think they're going to be all right because they have 21. He's, yeah. he's really good. But but my issue with them right now is it's something we talked about last pod, but it's really started to crystallize because we're, we're on three of four of these performances offensively. Uh, it's that they just don't have enough ball handling if Harden is out. They need Harden and Maxi. Like there, there's no team that I, I would say leans. I mean that's not true. They're you know Chris Paul, Devin Booker, those Luka guys. Conscience. Yeah, Luca. I mean that's just him by himself. That's that's wrong to say. No team, but they are heavily dependent on those two guys. And frankly, they're dependent on Harden one, Maxi two, getting them into their offense, doing the dribbling, doing the passing, doing the creating with Joel being a play finisher and, and starter, but, uh, you know, and, and now they have a bunch of three and D guys. Like, like you said, when you remove Harden from the lineup, PJ Tucker goes from making all of those floaters to nine points in two weeks. Like yeah. that's yeah. Simmons esque lines. So I am worried about that. Uh, but uh, again, <laughs> it's hard to be like too worried because i mean we we have we'll do an, two more podcasts probably this week we'll have those podcasts to worry about like the worry's not going away but it's still like we uh, the way i wrote it in my column today it was like 
also on, journalists tend to be a little bit jaded like we almost have to be by our job like we have to look at everything sort of through that lens we were like just cackling on press row. Like you couldn't watch that and not just be like, Oh my God, what am I witnessing? Like what historic moment is this right now? Um, and as a everybody fan, was everybody like every, from the biggest outlets to the smallest, like it was impossible not to, because it was, <laughs> you were witnessing greatness. It was just, it was absurd. It was complete. Like even when I, I, I didn't even notice it. And I saw somebody like tweet at me. Like, obviously I knew he was controlling the game, but it's like, they're like, has anybody else scored it in the fourth? And like, this was probably with like three minutes left. I'm like, well, I don't remember it. Let me go look at this. And it's like just and none, no other player making a field goal in the entire fourth quarter is just, a, it's just absurd. And they were open looks. Tobias bricking open threes, missing open layups, Maxi missing open mid-rangers, no, missing layups. Every it's one just... of those points, they needed every one of those assists. They needed every one of those blocks and alterations. Like they needed every, like he sat for 50 seconds in the fourth and it almost cost him the game. <laughs> it almost cost him the game. It was, uh, it was absurd. Okay. So this isn't a worry, but I do have to get something off my chest here. I think we need a moratorium on Doc Rivers won't play Paul Reed complaints. Yeah. I mean, no, my if, God. If he, go, if he goes to Trez, he's totally justified. Uh, my God. I, he's been awful. After, after one of those games earlier this year, th- there was a full-on riot that Reed didn't play over Harrell in one of those games. Dude, if Harrell just had the three-game stretch that Reed had, we wouldn't hear the end of it. And that's the thing. Like, Reed stunk up the joint on Thursday, back in the lineup on Saturday. Stunk up the joint on Saturday, back up on the back in the lineup on Sunday. And it took him to airball a six-footer yeah. for Doc to finally mercifully take him out of the game. And, like, Trez was better than last, last night. And Trez has been better this year. Again, small sample. I'm not giving up on B-Ball Paul. But, like, the Sixers just got outscored by 47 points in 36 minutes that yeah. Embiid didn't yeah. play on the bench. And as you made the joke last night, that's like you're, you're yeah. landing in Toronto over the river or over uh, the lake again, and it's 2019 all over again. And I understand that it's not all Reed's fault. I understand that he plays with some all-bench lineups. Two things on that. Number one, everybody's a bench player right now, considering how poorly they're <laughs> playing. And two-thirds of his possessions have come with Tobias and Tyrese on the floor. Guess what? They still stink. They yeah. can't score. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I, again, I don't think it's it's all Reed's fault, but I mean, my God, like we we can call a spade a spade here. Like if 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 he was being given the same level of scrutiny that Harold is, I I mean, my God, he would be just getting roasted right now. Yep. No, okay, and I mean, all. my stance will always go back to I don't think you can play Harold in the playoffs. So like, do whatever you got to do to get Reed up to speed. It would be great if maybe they had another more traditional backup center they could plug in there for when Reed is struggling, who could maybe defend the rim and roll to the basket, but they do not have that luxury right now. He is in San Antonio. Um, so you have to make do with what you have. And they're both imperfect options. Doc clearly doesn't trust Reed's decision-making. I think there's justification for that, but I don't trust Harold's mobility, defensive instincts, defensive give a shit or effort either. So look, I, I agree with that, but, but we need to call a spade a spade here. Uh, Paul Reed with the ball at the top of the key is a, oh, disaster. It's a disaster. It's a disaster. He it's, committed, it's really, he committed three turnovers in one possession last night. Uh, honestly, him trying to get the ball to somebody. If it's just look, it could be a bad pass. If it's, if he just gets it successfully to somebody, 
we, we don't even handoff need, is an adventure with Paul Reed right now. We don't even need to talk about creating an advantage or anything. No, 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 no. Of, of just don't fuck it up. <laughs> just get the ball to somebody else. And it's uh look, and to Doc's credit, he was like, Look, sometimes so somebody's gonna have to to get that spot. But it's kinda like I said, I thought we were gonna be trying different guys at different times. So anyway, I, I think we, our operating assumption, because the Sixers are getting outscored, I think it's a minus 24.1 net rating with Paul Reed on the on the floor. That's really bad. It's the worst one on the team. Um, I think we need to at least say, like, all right, right now it seems like they might have two bad options there. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's kind of my only point there. And that, to bring it back to positivity, that's what made Joel. It was unbelievable. Like, unbelievable. taking him off the floor for two minutes and – you know, I saw some complaints about Doc playing and beat those heavy minutes, and I, I I get it. Like he shouldn't have to play that many minutes, but guess what? If he doesn't play that many minutes, you are five and nine, like you just said. Yeah. No, and his overall minute total was you know thirty six. That's not awful, especially when you have four days off in a row. It was just the second half; the run was so long. Uh, he played like what, probably about fourteen out of fifteen minutes in the game, something of, yeah. in that range. Uh, and he, I mean, he looked, and that's and that, another thing that makes that, that stretch incredible. He looked gassed. Like that middle of the fourth, he looked like he was running on fumes and he was still controlling the game. You're right. He looked, he looked gassed, but he was summoning enough energy to make the key plays. And those were effort plays, like the Sexton block effort play. The one where, uh, who was that? I guess it was Clarkson coming over and he gets marketing. He bails off Olenek or marketing. I forget who it was from the opposite corner. Effort play. Yeah. And they're, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's concerning. I mean, the, the amount of ISO they run, it's just not very good offense right now. And, uh, you know what they're, so Joel Embiid over the last four games, the past week is averaging four, uh, 40, 41 points per game. I think, I think, I think 40 on the dot. You know where they rank offensively over that time? It's very low. 26th. Yeah. 26th. They have the top ranked defense in the league over that stretch. Mm hmm. Big part of that, Joel Embiid. He's playing fantastic defense. Joel Little part Embiid. of that is 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 luck. Can't make a three. Other teams. No, yeah, they're missing. I think they're shooting sub thirty percent. In fairness, it happens. Sixers Sixers aren't making threes either, no. so it's it's a little more normalized. But on their both. defensive effort is way higher than it was led by Joel Embiid. That is driving their three three in one week. Their offense is still even with Joel Embiid going completely insane is still bad. It was bad against the Hawks. It was bad. Last night, it's been bad this week. It's been bad the entire time that James Harden has been out of the lineup. So there is a lot of concern that when Joel Embiid does not look like a video game, what are you? how are you going to get points? Part of that's that Tyrese Maxey has to play better. And he's been real bad here since Harden went out. It's quite a bit concerning. He needs to take the next three days off. Just just do not touch a basketball. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I agree. I, I, I thought I thought uh, against the Hawks, all of his shots were coming up short, um, and he looked even worse there against the uh, against the Jazz. Uh, they need they need more out of him, but they need more <laughs> from everybody. It's really remarkable that they've won two in a row. That there's an energy and excitement about this team that you haven't felt all year. And it, I don't want to say a hundred percent comes down to one guy because like. Some other people are playing pretty good defense. The Anthony Melton, especially, I think, is playing really good defense right now. Diable had a uh, how many steals did he end up with uh, the other night? It was incredible. He did a good job. Yep. 
but it's like 98% Joel Embiid right now. And <laughs> yes, it's yes, like it I said earlier in the podcast, like if Joel Embiid was just like all-star quality right now, or even like top 10 player in the league right now, you're probably five and nine. And it's great that he's pulling out these wins because it gives you a chance to remain competitive. Like I think if they win on Friday, they're within like two or three games of the top seed in the East. So you can remain competitive while you get your shit together. But they still have shit they have to get together. Um, and I think Joel Embiid is maybe clouding that a little bit. But he's incredible. I mean, it's like Tyrese Maxey. It's, it's funny because we say this about Tyrese Maxey all the time. And Tyrese Maxey starts off his press conference. Joel Embiid's very good at basketball. Mm-hmm. He's like... He's quoting us. He's, yeah, he's no, listener, he's like, Tyrese. I don't... I, there's nothing else I can really say. He's just really good at basketball. He repeated that probably six or seven times throughout the course of his post-game press conference. It's like... I have no notes, Tyrese. You nailed it. It's hundred percent right. He uh, he doesn't listen to us because he watches SpongeBob at all <laughs> days. No, I don't know what he watches. But it, that that reminded me of a good Twitter joke when I think there was a report that Maxie wanted out of Philly because Rich Paul was his yes. agent and Ben Simmons or whatever. And I think somebody tweeted like, "Man, Maxie's watching cartoons right now. Yeah, he, he doesn't, doesn't even. He's not, yeah. He doesn't know what's going on at the moment. The uh, yeah. But anyway, Tyrese, next three days, cartoons, man. Just yep. just. Put the feet up, and uh, I think Joel take a take a page out of Joel's book because I, I guarantee you he will not be on his feet for the next yeah. couple of days. Nor should he. So, nor should it's, no. it's it's tough. Tyrese jumping on his back in the post game press conference could there could not have been a better way to symbolize what that game was because it was Joel Embiid carrying everyone, young Maxi included. It's just yeah, there's just no movement on that offense, and I look some of it is you're gonna ISO Joel more than most players in the league. There will be nights where Joel catching the ball at the elbow, they call that play. I think they call it elbow now where he just, it's an ISO at the elbow for him and he directs traffic and he makes fadeaways and he bulldozes his way to the rim. You're going to do that two to three times or, you know, two to three times a quarter, whatever, but there's gotta be more stuff, man. There's gotta be some dribble handoffs. There's gotta be maxi, there's got to be Tobias. I, it's, and I think for Doc over the next four days, there's two big keys here. One, figuring out the rotation. What, what are you doing with the backup spot? And it's really, it's some of it's center, but most of it is like, what guards are going to be? It was funny. Doc, it's, somebody asked Doc, you know, hey, I guess you're happy with your center play today, huh? And he was making a joke about Joel, you know, obviously getting that production. I'm like, well, 36 minutes of it or something like that. He's like, except for the, they got to figure out the 12 minutes, but yeah, I'm happy with it. He's not lying. No, he's not. So, but, but the, the guard play is just not good enough. And they're the, the all bench is just, they don't get any good shots. And honestly, if it's Tyrese or Tobias with them, they're not getting good shots either. And I, I hate to break it to people. It's like I said earlier, four of the starters are essentially bench players with the way they're playing right now. Yeah. So like th- this idea that there are these, these great, killer players no there's one guy who when you take him off the floor it becomes a disaster right now so they need to figure that out they need to find a way to manufacture points they need to find a way to start making open threes they they haven't made any for a week and a half now so it, credit to them for for at least battling through that but getting the offense and getting the rotation right just it, it has to be their biggest priority over the next couple of games the uh the other positive note how about the Sixers having the fifth ranked defense in the league right it's crazy Crazy. They were twenty first. They were four games ago. They were twenty first. And, and look, now is that aided by the fact that 
opponents have the worst three point percentage in the league against yep. them, particularly on corner threes. Not opponents are shooting twenty six percent on corner threes right. There's no real good corner three defense. Like if you get up corner three, like that's a, a that's a good shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they're getting a, a bit lucky. But it's like you said, I think their effort has gotten better. I think their communication has gotten better. The transition stuff that we Way talked better. about. Way right? better. And, and I, I guess that's the that's something, too, that we tried to stress after the Hawks pod. Because, look, the timing of these pods sometimes just screws us up. The Sixers just went 3-1 and one this week against four tough teams. I mean, three tough teams, and you played one of them twice. I mean, those teams have a way above 500 record, all of them. And they went three and one. That's a nice week. The one bad game, unfortunately, was when the, the lull yep, and the, when the we, schedule we, happened. Yep. So, but we said, though, that their their effort level defensively is good. And I, I do like how they are competing on that end. I You know, I mentioned the blow buys earlier, but Utah is a tough team to guard. There's a reason they're top three offense in the league. They spread you out, and they're really tough to guard. Part of it is you got to make make them pay on the other end for being smaller. So, uh, look, I, I think that's, huh? I said he made him pay. Yeah, he made him He pay. succeeded on that one. He did. I felt, uh, I felt bad for Kelly Olenek and Larry Markin at one point. Like I felt like legitimately bad. Well, the other thing too, that, you know, we brought up on Twitter as the game started. I mean, Joel had 62 points in my, and as far as I'm concerned, he had a three yep. point play that Doc didn't challenge earlier in the game, which is a, a pet peeve of mine. And Doc had a successful challenge at the end of the game, but, you know what? It wasn't worth three points and a foul for your star player that play. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. But it's a, a it's a mistake he regularly makes, um, and that a lot of coaches, quite frankly, every make. every There's, coach makes. They're it. so terrible. terrified of not having a challenge for the end of the game. If you have terrifying. one that's that easy, you just do it. Like, and, yeah. and you say, if, okay. if they're giving you three points, you say yes, thank you. Give me that that three points. If 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 they if they come to you before the game and say, you know what? We will buy back your challenge for two point eight points. Better you better take it. You better take it. Mm-hmm. That's that's basically what they had. But it doesn't. I mean, they ended up using the challenge. They got the ball back later on in the game. It worked out. Um, but yeah. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA Basketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge sports betting is void in georgia hawaii and utah and other states where prohibited promotional offers not available in nevada and new york don't forget if you haven't signed up for bet mgm yet use the bonus code ta basketball and you'll get a one year subscription to the athletic plus up to a one thousand dollar first bet offer on your first wager 
on another positive note, I was looking at John Schumann's power rankings this week. The Sixers, I, and I think that those this is calculated the strength of schedule by, you know, home, road, rest, opponent quality. Third toughest schedule in the league so okay. far. Okay. So, you know, to be 500, not the end of the world, I guess, against that. So I, I would say from a a record standpoint, the Sixers are, are okay right yeah. now going into, uh, you know, going into Milwaukee on Friday. That'll be a big game. But look, you have four days of rest. So that's that's a positive. And then, you know, after Thanksgiving, like we said, some easier games, some Charlotte's, some, some Orlando's on the schedule. They're okay, but they do need to get the other players to start playing a bit better. But that's okay. A lot better. Yeah, that's a lot better. To your point on record, they are sixth in the Eastern Conference, and they are a game and a half out of third. They're right there. They're they're fine. Their record's fine. fine. It's not maybe what it should have been, but... It's not... The record itself is not panic territory. No, and look, there have been two points of this really short season already where I felt like we were getting real close to panic territory, you know, when they start off one and four and just look atrocious defensively. It was like, what in the frick is going on here? And why does Joel Embiid look like the worst version of himself? That was panic territory. Uh, and then, you know, they lost three out of four, culminating in that first loss to the Hawks, where, again, a lot of their bad habits came up. You were looking at the schedule. If they dropped these two games, you could have been in panic territory. Uh, to their credit, and really to Joel Embiid's credit, uh, they recovered that, and they're back to where they need to be. Or not need to be, but they're back to a good enough spot record-wise, but there's still a lot of games left. And in order to actually capitalize on their slight recovery of a season, they need to start playing better as a team. You can't rely on 59 from your star player every night. Um, they need way more from pretty much everyone on the roster. Yeah, agreed. But boy, is he fucking incredible. He's really good at basketball, Rich. I mean, just some of those mid-range jumpers where he's... There was one... He's shooting 57% on long mid-range jumpers, 16 feet to three-point line. It really it really fit his his season so far because he's on fire on long twos, but can't he can't make a three, make a three to yeah. save his life, which is... Like, that's the other crazy thing about his game because his game was fantastic the entire way, but he did have three turnovers in a row at the end of the first half, mm-hmm. just lazy turnovers. And it was funny... There started to be some boos, and I was like, boo? Like, not not the whole crowd. So I'm not really trying to call out anybody. But, you know, there were some restless boos from around us. And I was, like, looking around, like, why are you booing this guy? You'd be down 80 points if he wasn't yeah. playing right now. <laughs> and that was before – that was his worst half. Like, you know, so he was uh, – some of those mid-range jumpers. He had two – there was one where he, he basically – he caught it at the nail, pump fake, jab right, and Rudy Gay was like – it was like a Looney Tune. He just went out of the, the picture and then rhythm ju- jump jumper to his left. And then he had another one where he just like Jared Vanderbilt is all over him. Jared Vanderbilt is a really good defender. Obviously, he's not big enough to bang with Joel on the low block, but this wasn't banging with Joel on the low block. This was face up at the free throw line. And he just dribbles to his right, fade away jumper. Yep. It's come. It's honestly, it's probably the closest thing now to. I guess Durant has this, so I shouldn't say it's just like that, but it's probably like watching Kareem's jump hook. Future Sixers having Durant? You see oh, that report? Yeah. yeah but this I love report. those reports. Those are my favorite reports. Like, sources, Sixers still inquire about Kevin Durant. Of course they do. That's their job. That's their. That's literally Daryl Morey's job. 
the the source should have said the Nets said no because we have your draft picks anyway. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And also the two good things that you have to trade right now. Uh like the two the two things that have always been mentioned as the Kevin Durant trade package. Uh we just spent 30 minutes talking about how they're leading the pack of just complete bad play right now from the rest of the team. They that are, be- but I still think like Tyrese Maxey probably has more trade value than he did let's say at the trade deadline last year. Like I think yeah. his trade value is still really strong. All right, I'm just trying to dump on the report. I'm sorry, man. You know, I, I got you. No, I, I mean, I, the, those reports are ridiculous because it's like, of course they're calling about Kevin. Durant. Of course they are. I don't need to source that one. And logic tells you that, yes, they are doing their job. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean. Harry Smacks, he's still shooting 41% from three on the season. Gosh, it's been a while. What is he shooting from two, though, now? It's it's ugly. He 47.2. So it's. it's That's better than I thought. It's honestly. 4% less than it was last year, but. Man, I he mean, was, was on fire for a long time. He did bank some very good games, and it's just gone awry. That's, that's a that's, that's a crazy thing about the season too. Like, you start off with James Harden, and through two games, he's averaging like thirty three and twelve or whatever. And then you have that run with Tyrese, where he's dropping forty four up in Toronto. He's bailing you out. Drops yeah. seventy five over a two game stretch or whatever. And now you have this where with Embiid, where he's averaging fifty points a game over the last two. But they've never really had two of the three going at the same time. And it would be nice to see how that looks. Honestly, it'll be just nice to see how everything looks when everything gets back together. Now that Joel Embiid is looking like Joel Embiid. That's what I'm really looking forward to. I want to see how all the pieces fit once all the pieces are there. And at the beginning of the season, I know Joel Embiid was on the floor, but Joel Embiid was not on the floor. Then, you know, Embiid went out with the flu and now Harden's out and now Embiid looks like Embiid and yada, yada, yada. I just want to see everything, how it fits. Going back to what you said a lot of early season takes can look stupid because there's just a lot of season left. And certainly I think if you have optimistic views of this team or if you have overly pessimistic views of this team, either one has a chance of looking stupid in three months. I I just want to see jo- how they all look together. Joel erases bad early season takes faster than anybody I've ever yes. seen, though. Because I've never seen somebody just whip themselves into... Complete ass kicking mode from stumbling up and down the floor. Like he does that in a matter of two weeks. You know, yeah. usually, you know, I, I've seen slow starters and guys come in out of shape and things like that where it's like, okay, that takes two months for that player to get back to complete no. ass kicking mode. This, but you're this like, guy give me a homestand and I'm good to go. Yeah, give me give me a homestand and and a team that doesn't have anybody over seven one and and two hundred forty pounds and I'll just I'll get, I'll, I'll get back into shape pretty quickly here. So, look, it's it was just an awesome performance. And I mean, it's it just goes to show too, like the the skill level of this guy is just it's ridiculous. It's just sure. like the ball hit handling, the shooting. It's it's just cackling watching it. We had uh we had Timmy B in front yeah. of us, and we had Doris Burke who was there yeah. in front of us at the game. Also, the two of them just cackling, yeah. just like oh my god, like. Can you believe this? And like Doris has seen a, a a thing or two of basketball. She's seen a game or two. She calls like high profile playoff yeah. games and gets to sit literally at the scorer's table to see those. I Yeah, she, I mean, it's so much fun uh to watch him play. And it just turns literally every crusty journalist, aka us, into fans, kids, I don't know, whatever. What, oh. Whatever. It's almost like the it's like the how can you not be romantic about baseball type of thing. I, you don't yeah. usually get that with basketball. It's usually like 
With basketball, it's much more like, I love ball or like, are you a real hooper? Those type of things or whatever. I don't know, man. That was, that was awesome. (laughs) It was tough to write a a recap of that game and tone it down. Like you couldn't tone down a recap of that one. Yeah. On the other hand, it's just hard to do justice, right? Yeah. No, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. It was, it was, I've, I've never seen, I've seen a lot from Joel. I've never seen that before. What was um, the stat? The the second or third sixer to score fifty five? Is that yeah, it? AI Iverson and Wilt. Wilt. Yep. When did AI do it? Was that the Kings game that one time? I'm I'm trying to remember. I mean, I can look that up in five seconds. I'm trying to remember what his playoff high was. Oh, it was. You know, it was a playoff game against the Hornets. It was game okay. one. I think against the that Hornets. was early on, early on in his career. Then it was oh three. Oh, okay. It was past, yeah. Yeah, AI scored. I mean, if we had Sixers beat 2003 edition, AI scored 55 of 98 points that game with eight assists. <laughs> so that that's pretty good, too. I mean, Sixers beat 2003 would have been pretty tough, talking about DC and Keith Van Horn and, and yeah. Snow. I was thinking of that, that Hornet series back in 2000. That's when I was thinking, when I said early season or early career run. Uh, yep, there was one of those series though. I do remember that. I can't believe I can't believe you only did it once. Oh no, three fifty point playoff games. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, there was two in Toronto series alone. Yeah, but it, it does go to show once you get above fifty. That's why Joel was stuck on fifty for a long time, even though he had done it a Twice. few times. Yeah, where look, you just run out of minutes at some point, yeah. and yeah. and it's quite an accomplishment. So to get the fifty nine is is crazy, and he almost got to sixty. Almost made that garbage step back three that, of course, he was feeling himself at the end. And yep. Yep. it's it's really unbelievable how much he was feeling himself because he took that terrible shot and the game was still kind of in the balance. I think they were up three at the time. I don't know. Very, very funny that he was like, you know what, though? I'm so in control. I'm going to take a ridiculous shot. Yeah. And it probably had a 40% chance of going in with how hot he was. And it, if it misses, it's fine. Well, I'll figure it out. We'll We'll win the game or whatever. He was just that much in control. Crazy, crazy. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that's probably about all that we have here on that one. We will have another podcast here in a couple of days. If you have any mailbag questions, send those over to mailbag at sixersbeat.com. We have a huge lull in the schedule. We don't have another game here until Friday, so nothing will change in that regard. We'll probably apply a little more of a critical eye in that one because there was a lot of Stuff this team still is not doing well that Joel Embiid is covering up. Uh, but this one was about one of the most incredible 24 hours basketball I've ever, ever seen from an individual. Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. Congratulations to Danny Ainge. See you, man. <laughs>